Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we are a day late, but that was completely planned, so that makes us right on time. Welcome into the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoop Ball and the Hoop Ball Podcast Network here as a part of Be Heard. We're so happy that you're here with us. I'm Demi Barling, along with my partner, Jill Adge, here on this post-draft edition, and we're going to tear Jill away uh, from Twitter long enough. She's going at She's going at Warrior fans. She's going at Laker fans. She's going at everybody. We've got company here today. dogs going crazy in the background. <laughs> yeah, we got Will Griffith and Tony Zipteris here with us. Uh, I feel like these guys are probably sick of seeing my face. We've all been spending so much time together uh, over the last two days. Uh, the draft is in the books. We'll spend a lot of time talking about that. Tony, Will, Jill, let's start with this. Uh, the Bogdan Bogdanovich story continues to evolve it gets more entertaining depending on your perspective by the moment let's go back to draft day yesterday in the midst of this draft unfolding in the midst of us waiting for the number 12 pick jill i'll I'll start with you um we find out that this bogdan bogdanovich to milwaukee bucks deal that we had heard so much about apparently it's not happening right well and what's interesting too is you're hearing so many different stories depending on who the reporter is, but there are pieces that are the same for, for every reporter. So like you're getting all this other stuff, but yet the key piece that each reporter is saying local and national that bogey and Giannis talked, they wanted to play together and that they, they thought it was done. Like that, 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 Whatever led up prior to that, who knows? Um, Who complained? I don't know. Who reported the complaint? Whether it was Atlanta or New York or another team that maybe had cap space that was interested in going after him, but... But maybe the it's whole not thing re- just still doesn't really make sense. <laughs> your 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 dogs are very upset about this deal not happening, by the way. They as are. soon as I brought <laughs> it up, they got very upset. Tony, what do you think? Oh, but sorry, let me give a proper introduction here. Tony Zipteris, right. Will Griffith, the host of the King's Herald podcast with Jerry Reynolds, um, and of course the tremendous work that they do on King's Herald. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Damien. And Jill, it's great to be back on a podcast with you, of course. Yeah. Um, we recorded several back in the day. But uh, the Bogdanovich situation, um, I mean, I, I, it's hard to even figure out where to start when talking about it. Uh, I think the, the, the main takeaway for me right now is that it looks like it actually isn't happening. And if you had asked me, even, you know, during, during draft day yesterday, I thought, you know, they'll still figure it out. Like, this is all posturing. Teams are upset. Um, but eventually Bogdanovich will be a Milwaukee buck. And now the last several hours of different reports and details that are coming out, of course, the Milwaukee bucks uh, declined the option on Ersan Ilyasova, which was an essential contract to make this trade work in the first place. It really does seem like this trade is dead. And uh, with it being dead, I have no idea what is going to happen with Bogdan Bogdanovich right now. And I think out of anyone, I probably feel bad for Ersan like he lost seven million dollars he just got waived today like he, he was coming here and he was going to be an expiring deal he just who knows what someone's going to sign him for if something's going to happen but he just lost seven million I mean that's that's gone because of this and then on top of it now we have reports that the NBA is going to do an official inquiry <laughs> or investigation into this so it's not just like oh we got caught with our hand in the cookie jar but like now there might be actual consequences for a team like the right. Bucks who so, are trying to win a championship or the Kings who are trying to get pieces from this. Are they just going to say, Woj, let me see your phone to see who texts you? <laughs> like, I mean, at, at point it's, because it's whoever contacted him and put it out, like if he hadn't tweeted that, no one would be talking about anything and that deal would have been done in the background. Like it's like every other deal that we hear about that happens at 
12 o'clock when free agency starts or 12.01. I mean, to think that these people don't talk is ridiculous. It's because it was literally tweeted. Yeah. Uh, I do have to say something here, and I, I don't think it was his fault, but it's worth mentioning because you mentioned who who texted Woj. Joe Dumars was fined a lot of money as an executive with the Detroit Pistons for leaking specifically to Woj. I don't Milwaukee's think he did it this time. Been fine too, previously. I don't think he did it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. I guess Milwaukee's been fined fifty thousand prior and a and a separate for leaking something as well. So it's two teams that have people in it that have leaked before. And it's fair to present all of the information. So that's a good call there, Tony. But in some of these with 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 these situations, sometimes you look at like, well, what do you have to gain from this? Like, what do the Kings have to gain by this getting out? What does Milwaukee have to gain? They had just done the Drew Holiday deal, and now it's all oh, look. Giannis, look what we're doing. Look what we're doing. Giannis, huh? This Serbian, this is for you, buddy. Drew Holiday, he is for you. This is all for you, Giannis. Look what we're doing. So this isn't about like a contract being negotiated. Joe, you said um, you you were talking about uh, who should be punished for all of this. This is all about the tweet. And uh, let let me see your phone. All I can think of is Roger Goodell subpoenaing Tony, uh, uh, Tony, Tom Brady's phone. Like we need to see Brady's phone in the deflate gate uh, thing. So I just want a story that said Adam Silver has sent a subpoena for Adrian Wojnarowski's phone. This, this is the battle that we need. I think uh, what Woj- is it less than 24 hours before free agency start is officially starts. Right. Right. <laughs> I think Woj would smash that phone. I no. think he would not let Adam <laughs> Silver God. anywhere near it. He'd, he'd step on it. He'd throw it in the toilet. He'd do what he'd have to do and say, he just text everybody in a mass email. Just text my backup phone because this yeah. one's going text to the trash. burner. Yeah. Woj He's definitely has two phones. Too. No. Hammering his phone. <laughs> yeah. I think Woj probably, that's a great point, Tony. I think Woj probably has a phone for like players and then a phone for like owners and, 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 you know, GMs and all that. Oh, what a, what a, what a subplot to what was really, it was a, is it fair to say great day for the Kings? I think so. Good think day. So. As good as it could have gone. Yeah, I don't think I could see much more going right for the Kings. I, I mean, had the bogey deal gone through, uh, that's the only thing that would have kept it from being a, a, a full-on perfect day for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. I guess that's one of the really frustrating things about this, too. And maybe we shouldn't leave the bogey thing so quick because I, I think, well, you just said, well, you know, what's going to happen with bogey? Does anyone here think – we know that the Kings extended a qualifying offer. That's a formality. That's that's not that's not really news. That's just a part of the process. But does anyone think that Bogdan Bogdanovich is playing for the Kings next year? I don't. I think he's running out of options. I mean, if you if you listen to the, the latest rumors around Gordon Hayward, he opted out with Boston. There's rumors that he might go to the Atlanta Hawks, which was the only other reported landing spot for Bogdanovich. So, you know, I think the relationship was probably pretty poor between Bogdanovich and the Kings, but we might yeah. be dealing with a, a Bonzi Wells situation where he sort of played himself a little bit, or his agent did, and the the big money offer, the money that he thought that maybe the Bucks was a little, little bit of a low ball offer, and he thought maybe, or his agent thought maybe they can squeeze a little bit more out of the Hawks. I don't know if that money is going to be there. And if it's not there from the Hawks, uh, he might be forced in some ways to return to the Kings. And I don't think that'll be an ideal situation. And if it's really that bad, you know, they could always move him at the trade deadline. But I don't think that's an impossible outcome. I mean, is it still pop? Is there anyone still on Milwaukee? where that deal could still happen and he ends up having to take less money than what he did before because it would have they, to be they've already started waiving players. Yeah, like that's his true destination of where he wants to go. Like they could have played him, you know, he could have played himself out of it and now has to take less money. If that truly was, which people are saying that's where he want, and it wasn't about money and he really wanted to go there. I mean, t- to me, all we've heard about for him is how he's won everywhere. And, and that was where he wanted to go next was a team that was winning. I don't know if the Sixers have any space. Like I'm still trying to think of other, other teams that could somehow, or the Warriors throw themselves in there with some sort of sign and trade um, option to where he would still be on a winning team. Yeah, with somebody like the Warriors who just picked up Kelly Oubre today, yeah. they don't have they don't have. I mean, their their luxury tax bill is like one hundred and fifty million dollars or something like that. It's skyrocketed with picking up Kelly. So yeah, he's he's 
I think I I venture to guess the agent overplayed his hand a little bit. He figured, oh, he's getting a big big offer from Atlanta, and so they back out of that that Bucks deal a little bit. And then Atlanta goes, well, never mind. Uh, we figure you're still going to work it out with the Bucks. So they go and uh, start making overtures to to Gordon Hayward. And now it's kind of like, oh, the pressure is on. Either Hayward is a pressure on Bogdanovich, or he's that he's that that second guy that they've already moved on to. I can't believe he opted out of that deal. Well, they're saying now they're bringing New York into it. That New York is probably the landing spot because they just hired the uh, Jazz assistant coach that developed him when he was with the jazz, that that could be a spot. And they just waved like five players and, and opened up their cap space. But so, for $34 million. I, he's not going to get that. I mean, I that's, yeah, I don't think, and maybe with his injury history, he's looking for something smaller, but another longer term deal. Okay, I, I mean, that's, sure. And we also heard Atlanta's interested in Gallo too. So, I mean, there are still other, even if it's not Hayward, there's still other wing options that you've heard about them going after that would take money again, away from what Atlanta had to start with. Let's try this. Who's Atlanta not interested in? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's only like four teams that have cap space. So it's yeah. like, that's true. I mean, every single agent is going to use them as a landing spot in the media because literally nobody else has money. I would assume so, any big, since they have a bunch of bigs, that you can cross those off. You really, you're just hearing the wings. I you mean, know who they don't seem to be interested in? Buddy Heald. <laughs> Which everybody should, thought they would be, right? Yeah, they should be, <laughs> but they, I mean, I would be throwing everything at them to try to get uh, a Collins or something like that out of them. And uh, they, they drafted uh, Onyeka Okongwu. So it's obviously they they don't need three centers of that of that quality there. They they seem to be rejecting everything. Anytime you hear anything about Atlanta, nothing. C- completely quiet about Buddy Hield. We had Rich Ivanowski on yesterday as the Clay Thompson story was developing, and it was clear when the tweet went out something was. It was clear it was bad. We obviously learned at the time of this recording that uh, Clay Thompson has a torn Achilles. He's going to be out for the remainder of the season. But just in the flow of the conversation, I thought, you know, you're not going to be able to replace Clay's shooting and defense that that you just can't acquire a play like player like that. That's why Clay Thompson is a max player. But you could pick one or the other. And if you wanted to replace his shooting, I know a guy who if you could convince him to stand still in one spot and not dribble the ball, he could probably make up a large percentage of those points that you're going to lose with Clay Thompson. The question will obviously be how many will he give up on the other end? Obviously I'm continuing the buddy healed conversation here. Mm-hmm. Monty McNair. I keep coming back to this. Monty McNair was very complimentary of buddy healed at his introductory press conference. Said he's a big part of our, our plan moving forward. And he wasn't as committed to Bogdanovich and that that's always stuck with me. So I, I think there is, uh, and, and I think the Chris Paul, uh, Oklahoma City rebuilding Chris Paul's trade value um, was another little nugget in the back of my mind. Like Monty Pinares is probably looking at Buddy Heald as an asset that is not as valuable right now as he could be. He just saw the Oklahoma City Thunder build up Chris Paul's value again after one strong year. If they ship Bogdanovich out, give Buddy Heald one more year starting next to De'Aaron Fox on a losing team, he's going to score a ton of points. Maybe he builds his value back up for next summer and gets a real asset for him. Whereas right now, all these Buddy Heald trades we're talking about it's really, you know, nearly salary dump with one, you know, low pick or a a, a guy on a rookie contract that that is not uh, that great. The offers, again, we're speculating a little bit, but with Buddy having a down year last year, to some degree, it's an easy speculation that his value could certainly be higher if he has another year like he did two years ago under Dave Yeager. So I, I'm not surprised, really, that we haven't seen uh, too many Buddy heel trade rumors just yet, just because McNair was so complimentary. Um, and I think there is some value that Buddy can still build up with a good year. And you just drafted a player that fits perfectly with a Buddy Heald and Halliburton. Honestly, that's that was to me is one of the best players you could have got to piece along with De'Aaron and Buddy Heald. So it's it's a guy that will not force Buddy to to have the ball again. He can play to his strengths, to where we saw way too much of going away from that away from that last season. Do you want to see Buddy? Well, do you want to, do, do you, do you think Buddy starts the season here and do you, do you want to see him here? Yeah, I think he starts. I, I, I think he, I, I, I think he ends up it, it, at the very most, he ends up going at the deadline. 
I, I think that eventually, especially because of who we drafted and whatnot, he's he's not going to cause many problems outside of figuring out what what Luke Walton wants from him. He's not going to be on the bench this year, and that was kind of his main. That was kind of what bristled him the most. Um, whether I want him here long term, I, I think I think eventually here within the next year, I think we've got a ticking time bomb a little bit in that he's he's older. You know, he's not as he's he's going to be twenty nine when the season starts. I think. By the time the next season rolls around, he's in his 30s, and eventually a team's going to go, you know, he's a great shooter, but he's he's a little old here. And so I, I would much rather package him sooner than, than later, where I, I kind of, with Tony saying, oh, he needs to rebuild some of his value, he was still second in the league last year in three-pointers. I, I think the league knows that if there's an issue with Buddy Heald, it's Luke Walton and the Kings, it's not with Buddy Heald. And so, so part of that is, is that you're eventually you just run out of room where he can, he can continue to grow his value and that value stagnates a little bit. And so the sooner you can get out from under buddy, the sooner you can start making moves with, with that, with that extra money you have. So I guess the follow-up question be Tony, I'll throw, I'll throw this at you. And then Jill, I want you to time chime in. If the issue is Luke Walton, do you think it could be repaired? Do you think the the relationship, if, if that is the, the damaged part of this, between Luke Walton and Buddy Heald can be repaired. Uh, I don't like that he's not answering Luke Walton's texts. That was the most recent report that there's still friction between them two as early as a few months ago. Mm. Um, but do I think it could be repaired? I do. I think ultimately Buddy wants minutes, he wants shots, and he wants playing time, and he wants the status of being a starter. I think keeping Bogdanovich, if that's how this crazy saga eventually plays out, will cause the friction with Buddy Heal to get a little bit worse. And maybe that's when you see the Kings really pushing for Buddy Heal trade, because I don't know about you guys. If you asked me, uh, I would prefer Bogdanovich to Buddy Heald, um, mostly for, for some of these off court reasons uh, and the complaining about roles and, and not texting Lou Walton back. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that stuff, uh, even though I do like Buddy Heald. So I think that's where the friction could lie is if the Bogdanovich thing doesn't figure itself out and the Kings are, are somewhat forced to retain him. And then you're back to square one with Buddy Heald. But if Buddy Heald can, can get his starter minutes and Bogdanovich is moved, I think there's a clear path forward for, for him to start the season in Sacramento. And the Luke Walton thing will be frustrating and they probably won't like each other, but I don't think Buddy's going to hold out or anything like that. 100% Jill. agree. <laughs> okay. That got okay. me thinking a little bit on because I yeah. Could it be that Alvin Gentry was brought on specifically or or maybe that kind of waxes it over that he's a little bit of the buddy whisperer a little bit where he coached him his his rookie year in the NBA and that might smooth things over a little bit to have another coach that buddy knows and maybe trusts in and, and kind of keeping things a little bit smoother for the next year or so. Well, outside of even the sorry, Joe, outside of even just being the buddy whisperer, maybe this is a, a, a guy who could come in and, and help the offense execute in a little bit more way that would be in, in a way that would be a little bit more beneficial for Buddy Heald. So regardless, you know, leaving the 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 personal dynamic out of it and learning how to and, and I believe you have to learn how to talk to everybody. Everybody is different. Instead of maybe Luke Walton doesn't know how to talk to Buddy Heald. Maybe Alvin Gentry does put all of that stuff aside. Buddy Heald, I think, ultimately wants to be. I think Tony, you said this. He wants to be a star. He wants to start a minute. He wants he wants to be a big big time basketball player. Where he's probably going to be able to do that with Alvin Gentry here, uh, as as the as the wingman for Luke Walton, and and I assume a guy who who helps with the flow of this offense. Which also we've learned uh, through Jill, our our front office executive here, uh, Monty McNair and his front office group are very hands on with the coaching staff. So Tony, again to your point, with Monty McNair speaking glowingly about Buddy Heald. Maybe it's like, oh, wait till my group gets a hold of this young man. Like you, yep. you yep. Luke wasn't doing this right. I'm not going to say that publicly, but we've got an idea. We know how to utilize it and we're going to u- utilize it on Buddy Heald. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure you can make a, a clear connection between how the Houston Rockets played with Monty McNair as a second in command versus how the Kings are going to play this year. But the Rockets led the league in three-point attempts for like the past three or four years, top one or two. And, you know, part of that is James Harden, of course. Part of that is is Mike D'Antoni, how he likes to play basketball. But if Monty McNair is coming from a front office that clearly very much values a three-point shot, and he's got a guy on his roster, I think 9.9 three-pointers a game, uh, one of the best high-volume three-point shooters in the entire NBA, you, you can see why, to your point, Damian, why they think they could salvage this 
And especially if, and this is maybe going off on a, on a tangent a little bit, uh, especially if Monty McNair doesn't think that Luke Walton is necessarily the long-term coach, and maybe he's got to get through this year with Luke Walton before he can hire his own guy. Um, there, are, there are many different angles you can look at this and say that maybe Monty McNair and his new staff and, Alan Gen- and Alan Gen- Alvin Gentry on the staff with him and Luke Walton's job security maybe being up in the air. Um, I could see why he thinks he can salvage the relationship. Yeah. Go to the draft. Let's go to the draft. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton. For, did anyone think that he would be there at 12? No. No. Bryant West. Brian said that if anyone was going to drop, it was going to be it was going to be that teams didn't didn't see him as a as a star or that star potential, and that his complimentary the 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 sheen of him being a complimentary player would end up getting him, you know, as the falling knife. Mm-hmm. I think Bryant was was spot on about that. Yeah, yeah and, and Brian- I do think it was interesting. You did see almost in every mock by the end, they always had at least one guard falling, whether it was Halliburton or Hayes. Those were like the two that you saw going and so because they were always projecting a wing or a big somehow you know moving up um whether it be a trade or someone just taking a surprise pick which ended up being phoenix um but yeah i mean doesn't get much better than bryant (laughs) it doesn't and it was great to have bryant on as the selection was made we we you know bryant had joined us uh i think the i think the spurs had picked and we were trying to honor the draft. So we all got the alert. We all saw it. Bryant gets this big smile on his face and it's like, hold on, wait one second. Let's let Adam silver do it. So we're talking about the Spurs and we're talking, we're, we're talking about, you know, whatever the Kings got coming up, we get the announcement and Bryant gives us the old, the old tiger woods fist pump. He was, he was really excited about this. Tony, what do you think about Tyrese Halliburton? I love the pick, but I think the the most interesting part about it, and again, you know, I've read so many reports the last few days, my brain is like melting. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you anyone listened to Jonathan Gavoni on Zach Lowe's podcast this morning, um, it sounds like the fall to Sacramento was orchestrated. And that was a, a shocking thing to hear. Gavoni reported through the podcast with Zach Lowe that uh, Halliburton and his agents were telling teams not to pick him. He wants to be in Sacramento. He loves the fit. And, and Lowe and Gavoni were just as shocked as I was, and they made the same joke that everyone else would make. But when was the last time a prospect who was projected to go in the top five, top 10, uh, actually wanted to come to Sacramento? Um, so that, that's sort of my takeaway from the Halliburton pick. I mean, how, how could you not like, like those details? Those are some amazing points for Monty McNair, his front office, that they could convince a guy like Tyrese Halliburton to actively maneuver his way to Sacramento. Right. And then in his um, post-draft interview that he had with locally, he was saying that conversations between him and the Kings is that he would like, he was their guy and they both just agreed that they fit really well together and he would compliment and all that. And so it's like, did they have, a, obviously they had many more discussions than w- were made public and then come to find out. Monty had said he'd interviewed like 90 players. And I feel like when we were listening to every player talk, it was either, oh, no, I haven't talked to the Kings or I don't want to say who I talked to. So clearly all everyone that said they don't want to say who they talked to, Kings obviously talked to them because if you talk to 90 people, I'm sure that they were in that list. But just hearing both sides keep saying how through the process – whether if it's totally true or not, or they're just good at PR, um, that that each group really wanted each other. Um, it's nice to hear because we beyond we don't really hear that in Sacramento. Besides Fox, and I think Bagley said that too, but his was I I want to go two because I didn't go one type thing. Like I'm not yeah. Um, but to actually hear people saying if it's true, don't don't pick me because I feel like I'm this is where my best suited for. It's rare that you hear them say Sacramento. I thought it was a relief that they didn't overthink it. I think in previous years, you'd have seen, you'd have seen Halliburton fall and whoever the Kings had been, had been set on before the draft, they'd have still picked them anyways. And they'd have let Halliburton fall to, to the Pelicans or whatever, but they would have picked whoever their guy was, regardless of, of whether, I think the Kings just did a good job last night of not overthinking the draft picking the right guy based on their numbers and then just settling with it. 
I didn't expect him to fall. I figured he'd go five or six. A, a team would take a swing at him and and hope that he fit in with their team. But I, I was I was glad to I because you get a little bit nervous. You know, you you have so many drafts with Vladi and 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 Pete D'Alessandro and everybody else, and you start to get that you start to get triggered. You start hearing that dun 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 when the pick is in. You go, oh, here it is. Nick Stauskas is coming down the line again, and and to to know that they 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 just made the right choice, the easy choice, was a, a massive relief to me. Yeah, and we're starting to see Monty likes guys with high IQ and versatility, which which is nice, and that very much fits, you know, the modern NBA right now is guys that can play multiple positions, um, can play good team defense, you know, or at least have the you know the the basketball IQ to be able to, to pull it off. And one of the things he said is that um, he spends a lot of his off time watching tape is that obviously he works out and, you know, does all that stuff, but he says he likes to do a lot of the little things that um, players might not always be into, which he thinks would help separate him from everybody else. And his thing was watching tape and studying past film, current film, players, etc. So it, it is nice to hear, you know, he's gonna love Luke a true Walton. workhorse. You're getting <laughs> you're getting a true <laughs> workhorse. A lot of tape getting watched in Sacramento this yeah. season. Yeah. We're gonna burn those VCRs out. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Go ahead, Joe. No, and you know how I always, you know, love the connections with the Miami Heat, right? So him and um yes. there were three sixth grade friends, right, that signed up for a three V three basketball tournament. Um, for an eighth grade basketball tournament, they were sixth graders and the coach or whoever's running the tournament saw these three kids and said, okay, you know, okay, whatever, I'll, I'll let them sign up and see what happens. These sixth graders ended up winning the tournament. Well, two of the friends on the team were, um, Halliburton and Tyler Hero. So it's, he's has a history. You worked. You worked really hard to get that Miami Heat connection, homie. I did. But no, he has a history of obviously, you know, and of exceeding expectations. It's he was looked over a lot in high school when it came to to college, uh, colleges looking at him. And, you know, the kids worked hard to get exactly where he is. So um, for anyone wondering, Jill does have a job. I I can confirm this. Jill does have a job for those. uh, for those that are wondering, uh, Tony, why is why everyone to a T has said Tyrese is a perfect fit for this team? Why, why, why do you think it works out so well here for him? Well, I think he he very much is the I mean, this might be a, an awkward way to say it, but he's the combination of the skill set that both Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald had. Like neither one of those guys had everything that you wanted next to Fox, whether it was uh, deficiencies on defense, deficiencies in creation. Uh, maybe, you know, Buddy was a, was the better shooter, but couldn't do much else. Tyrese Halliburton really is the the do-it-all player next to Fox that the Kings have been wanting either Buddy Heald or Bogdanovich to turn into. He can shoot from three at over 40%. He can create. I mean, he, he would have been a point guard for, for a lot of teams that drafted him. The Kings have the luxury that they can play him off the ball too, which he's perfectly capable of doing. He's also a very good defender, a ton of steals. I think you could see... In a couple of years, De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton lead NBA backcourts in steals. That's a very long, quick uh, defensive backcourt. And I'm just ex- just as excited to see what those two do as pests against opposing guards as I am how they can work together in, in a dual creator offense under Luke Walton. And I think, I you know, the Kings have needed creators for a while now. It's been all on De'Aaron Fox. The, the Kings lost all their offensive punch last season when Corey Joseph came in. And it's not all Corey Joseph's fault. The bench didn't have a whole lot of firepower um, unless Buddy Heald was on it. But Corey Joseph was, was not the creator that the bench needed. Uh, and the Kings needed more creators, period. So I do think Tyrese Halliburton, I know everyone's saying it, but I do think he checks all the boxes. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. Um... You know, another thing when you're looking at this lineup, you 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 know, you mentioned Corey Joseph there a second ago, Tony. Corey Joseph's not gonna be back. Um, Kent Baysmore. Like this this roster is gonna look pretty different. We'll find out what's gonna happen here with the Monu Bielitsa, I would think, here relatively soon. And and what is his place on the team? 
you know, like, do you think he, you know, winds up in the starting lineup? Do you think he winds up on the second unit? Like, where does where does Tyrese uh, fit on this team? Well, we'll start with you. I think he's going to start off as a backup point guard. I think he's going to come in, maybe be the first replacement for for Buddy Heald when he comes out, or or Darren Fox, whichever one gets pulled first. Um, I, I think that you you didn't mention a Yogi Ferrell either, who's not going to be back. They yeah. gave his number away today to uh, to Halliburton. So so I think the Kings are going to pick up a couple other creators as well, but I think he's going to end up being slotted in on that one two spot. And they'll practice with whoever they pick up as as another point guard or shooting guard. They'll kind of have them run what they'll eventually run with uh, with uh, with Fox and, and Halliburton. Tony, I think uh, the roster is just is still in flux. Like yeah. I, I think Halliburton, if things stay how they are right now, he's clearly coming off the bench. But uh, Monty McNair said he was going to be aggressive as a general manager, and so far I think we've seen that he made. Uh, several trades in the second round last night. He had this Bogdanovich Bucks thing cooking for what seems like a month now. I mean, we've been hearing little rumors about about those two teams talking for a while. So, depending on who's here, that is going to dramatically change where Tyrese Halliburton plays next season. But I think he's a rookie that is capable of contributing right away. So, in a season where we we expect the Kings to be near the bottom of the West, sort of playing for a top five pick next season, in all likelihood. I think Halliburton could literally do anything. If they start him with Fox, I think that's fine. He's more than capable of doing that right now. It won't be perfect, but it's not like you're putting in this raw rookie like an RJ Hampton where if you put him and you start him for 30 minutes, he, he can't compete. I don't think that's Tyrese Halliburton. So whether it's off the bench, um, as a starter, he's going to play a ton of minutes, and I think they're going to be pretty good for a rookie. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see. You know, I, I agree, he'll he'll be coming off the bench, but I think during the games, um, I don't I don't think they'll have any issue going small, and you'll see a Fox, uh, Halliburton, Buddy, and Barnes at the four. I could totally seeing that, and then whether it be Holmes or Bagley um, at the five, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Buddy, Halliburton, and Fox all on the court together um, as well during during points of a game. So. Jill, you want to jump in here with the first thoughts on the second rounders? I feel like this is right up your wheelhouse, diving into second round picks. Yeah. Um, Any Miami Heat connections here? So Woodard, um, I loved his quote today was, uh, be the dog or you will be eaten by the dog. So this, he's a six foot seven, uh, seven foot one wingspan. Um what is it? 235 pounds. I believe he's just a bulldog, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. another high basketball IQ. He was also, um, his class valedictorian. So he's really smart. His dad is actually the all-time leading scorer in Mississippi basketball history. Um, and he chose to attend Mississippi state cause that's where his dad was, but, um, he has an elite NBA frame known for his hustle, rebounding off ball defense, Again, high basketball IQ. One of the things I like that he said was he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He wants to be the three and D guy and just work his ass off and run around the court. He likes to play fast and transition. Um, one interesting thing is his freshman year, he shot 27.3% from three. And his sophomore year, he shot 42.9. So that was a big jump up. So I do think that we'll have to see if it's going to be somewhere in the middle of that, how consistent he can be. Um, But again, he's a guy that is constantly moving, making good cuts. And when you have a guy like Fox and Halliburton, who are great at, you know, running around with the ball, if you're moving, they'll get you open. So this... No matter if it ends up being, uh, I don't think he'll end up being a two-way, but you know, whatever his his spot on the team, um, I do think that he he fits again what you're looking for, um, a versatile wing, big, um, and fits their their running system, while also having a guy that you know has some fundamental defense to him. You know. You, we've, I think we've all said this a, a couple of times. Each of you, particularly when talking about Tyrese, you just did it uh, when talking about Robert Woodward, and we're going to be able to do the same thing when talking about uh, Jemias Ramsey here in a heartbeat. But high basketball like you, smart player. If you had a chance to be a part of the Zoom call or you had a chance to, to watch 
uh, Monty McNair's uh, presser. Monty McNair does not like to hear himself speak. His answers are very short. You got to ask a lot of questions to get, you know, a lengthy answer out of him, or you've got to take multiple answers and turn it into a lengthy answer with Monty McNair. He does not like being in front of the microphone. That is not his place to be. But there were two words that he kept saying over and over and over again in each of his different answers when talking about the draft picks last night. Kept saying we got smart on both ends and we kept we got more competitive on both ends. Uh, it was very, very clear. And you just laid this out beautifully, Joe. Monty McNair was looking for high basketball IQ guys last night. Yeah, I mean, and that's something that we've caused over the years that we're we're complaining about a lot is is guys that don't don't seem to have um, the basketball IQ or their assist uh, turnover ratio. Like they're just they don't necessarily see the whole floor. And you're seeing that he's getting versatile guys that. Um, have a good feel for the game, I would say. Except that's one thing Ramsey does have to work on when we'll get to him. But for the other two, um, a lot of their strengths are that they have a good feel for the game and know know their strengths and their weaknesses and and play to their strengths. Will, you got anything on the uh, Mississippi State sophomore you want to throw in here? You know, Jill, Jill mentioned running a lineup of uh, with Buddy at the three. I think I think Woodard actually slots in pretty well at a micro ball four or five. I think he would be, especially because of his reach and because he's kind of a thick guy, you know, he's built like a brick. Uh, I I think that if he panned out, you could play a, uh, play a game where he plays that small ball five a little bit and then stretches out, uh, stretches out uh, at the three-point line. And I think the Kings want to use him that way in a way that it's truly positionless basketball where he's probably a small forward right now, but he's going to, he's going to add more weight. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he adds another 10 pounds here and two or three years from now, then you're looking at a guy who is, who is stacked, who is, who is a, a bulldog and who can, can rough people up down there in the post a little bit. I, I think the biggest thing with him was that dog mentality. I, I think the Kings lack that so much, in, in terms of being competitive and, and we have a lot of nice guys on the Kings. And I think that's why Daquan, Daquan Jeffries is also one of those guys that Kings fans took a liking to was because he, he worked his ass off and you could tell during the game, he, he wanted that ball. He, he was competing on both ends of the floor. And so it, Woodard said everything that he needed to say in order to have me impressed for, for where he was picked. And I'm, I'm hopeful for that guy. Tony, it looks like Daquan Jeffries is going to get another another run with the Kings next year. Yeah, I think Woodard is a guy that, you know, like you guys said, he, he's a grown man. He can come in and play from day one, and I think he is going to get a, a, a full-time legitimate NBA contract. And I think with Kent Bazemore likely not returning, and, uh, well, I guess I don't know what's going to happen with Justin James anymore since the, the Bucks trade is off, but I think, Oh yeah. Poor Justin James. Poor, I poor forgot Justin. about him. <laughs> I know, I just, oh, oh, poor yeah. guy. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, man. I, so I guess he's technically still in the mix, but, um, what I was going to say is I, I think Woodard and Daquan Jeffries, and I guess you can throw Justin James. Those guys are going to compete for that backup wing spot. I think you could see Woodard play some consistent bench minutes as early as this season, depending on who wins that positional battle. Yeah. And you know how, when we were talking, I think it was last week, Damon, how you were saying um, that there are certain players for like the Celtics where it's like, are they Celtic? Do they have mm -hmm. that mentality? A lot of an analysts had him going to the Celtics. Cause they said he was that kind of bulldog, that mentality that he fit that. And we were saying that, people we lacked that here so yeah. it is nice to see um that that kind of kid going here for once <laughs> yeah yeah jamias ramsey uh freshman texas tech taking 43rd you think he winds up getting a run with the kings any any obscure stats you want to throw at us regarding uh jamias ramsey jill because i know you have him he's still a baby he's he's 18 right um he is known for being a scorer at all three levels, which is good. Um, some of the comparisons that I've seen people throw out was like Lonnie Walker. And then you ask him and he says he wants to be uh, the Westbrook finisher at the rim, but he knows he's not Westbrook. He doesn't have that burst that Westbrook has. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but he has the step back or the sidestep three, which is good. Uh, he's good shooting off screens. Uh, 
He's another guy that is good with running without the ball and knows how to get himself open. So again, good stuff. Um, he shot 43% from three. This, this got me. He shot 43% from three, 44.2% from the field from two and 64%, 64% from the line. So I don't really know like how that, but again, he's 18. So I don't know how yeah. exactly that to me, the free throw was an odd stat. Um, but he got rookie, big 12 rookie of the year. Uh, there were guys that had him picked going, um, on their big board, like if you were going to go on the first, there were guys had him falling to 40, which is where we ended up getting him. Um, but I did see an interview with him that uh, the stadium did, and they were asking him about his weaknesses. And he gave like a good list. And they were pretty shocked because they're like, well, normally when we ask this question, we get, you know, maybe one or two answers. Like people don't want to give their weaknesses. Um, but to me, that to me, as an 18 year old, he's showing me he's self-aware. He isn't afraid to, to give his weaknesses. He knows exactly what he needs to work on. And um, he said that in his mind, he's going to do whatever he has to do to work on that stuff. Um, so depending on how the roster plays out, I could very well see him being the second two way um, just because of his age and he's young and we are kind of log jammed right now at the, you know, a shooting guard position. And there was some question on based on his size, if they would want him at a point guard or at a, at a shooting guard. So um, that'll be interesting, but I think he does kind of fit maybe a, a two-way option where you can get, you're going to want to get him play in the G league. Cause I don't think necessarily he's going to be seeing the rotation. So that, that could be something to look for as a, a possible two-way deal. Fellas, any thoughts on uh, Jemias Ramsey? I I love I love Jemias Ramsey. I think that was a great pick. I I think he's going to be. I think he's going to surprise some people, and you'll probably get G League time this year. But I would not mind seeing him get some some backup minutes because he is a uh, he is a uh, another comparison for him is Jr. Smith, and I think that's really good. Like sometimes he is a little too focused on his own scoring. But when he scores, he does it with some flash and with some style. He's one of those guys that is I, – I think he'll be good for De'Aaron Fox even in practice because he is trying to score every single time. And he will ram it down your throat if you give him even a even an inch of space. And I I, I really I, – I, his feel for the game is good. I think that he's in uh, – he needs to get better at it. his passing, obviously, and his defense. He doesn't care about defense. But if if you look away from him or if you don't rotate over – he's going to cram a ball right down the defender's throat. And I love how aggressive he is on the offensive end. I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, Ramsey might mean the end of, of Kyle Guy's tenure in Sacramento. I think he kind of fits perfectly into that two-way two -way guard spot. And what's interesting about Ramsey, uh, and I know Jill sort of mentioned his uh, maybe positional versatility. I did notice in his Twitter profile, he calls himself a point guard. <laughs> which is kind of interesting. I'm not, I mean, I love the confidence. I'm not sure that's his NBA position with how much he likes to shoot the ball. Um, and, and his creation numbers weren't, weren't that of a, of a traditional NBA point guard, but I think he's very competent with the ball in his hand. So from that standpoint, he is someone who can score one-on-one, -on -one, which is a lot of what NBA scoring is right now. And to be honest, the Kings did sort of lack guys that you could expect uh a guy to go one-on-one -on -one and beat someone off the dribble like Bogdanovich was a little bit a little bit too slow for that Buddy Heald's handle was never really up to par Corey Joseph wasn't scoring much from the perimeter uh to the, to the inside it was really just De'Aaron Fox a lot of the responsibility of getting to the rim getting to the free throw line was on De'Aaron Fox and in Ramsey uh you have a guy who likes to handle the ball and can get to the rim which I think it, it, it's a a nice nice uh something it's something to build towards he's a nice little project player yeah. So Bogdan Bogdanovich, Milwaukee Bucks, silliness aside, overall the the draft was a was a win for the Sacramento Kings. We know that free agency is next. Um, you think we see anything eventful over the weekend heading into the holidays? We we all kind of know the cap situation here, Tony. So what do you think winds up happening as free agency begins? 
I think they need to figure out the Bogdanovich thing first. I yeah. mean, that just that needs to resolve itself. Whether we're waiting for the NBA to to investigate or or Monty McNair either either brings him back in or sends him out somewhere else, I think that really needs to resolve itself. And then after it does, the Kings do have the MLE to play with. They're, that's about all they can uh, can afford right now in free agency. And my strategy, and, and I think you could look at Monty McNair's drafting and what he was trying to do with the Bogdanovich trade and see that he's not interested in bringing in uh, high-priced veterans. You're not going to see signings like Corey Joseph. You're not going to see Kent Bazemore return. I th- and I think to that note, like there are some younger free agents that Monty McNair could bring in under that MLE that would fit the timeline of De'Aaron Fox, of Tyrese Halliburton, some younger free agents. I know Thon Maker, uh, not that I'm a huge Thon Maker fan, but um, he's an unrestricted free agent now. You have Juancho Hernan Gomez, for the Minnesota Timberwolves that I know Jill and I both really like as a, as a young stretch four, um, and then Derek Jones Jr. from the Miami Heat, unrestricted free agent who is uh, maybe the best athlete in the NBA, one of the one of the best dunkers we have right now, who is still very young, very quick, uh, pretty pretty good defender. So those are the sort of free agents that that I think Monty McNair will look at is the younger types who can still develop, are cheap enough to fit under the MLE, but aren't gonna uh, log jam the the rotation as veterans. They're more younger players with some potential room to grow either as a long-term player for the Kings or an asset that can gain value beyond the contract you sign them to. Someone like Derek Jones Jr., you can bring him in for under the MLE, well under the MLE, and then maybe you give him an opportunity. He develops a little bit and you have an asset that's either long-term for you or a pretty valuable uh, younger player under a nice contract that you can swing for another asset. Yep. Jill? He said it'd be you just co-signing Tony. You just yeah. co-signing Tony. Uh, but no, I mean, besides the the whole bogey thing, I mean, it's there. You're gonna need more bigs. I mean, it's because of not. You know, we don't we don't know what's gonna happen with Harry Giles, um, Alex Len. Obviously, uh, we lost both of those guys. Um, so they're they're gonna have to figure out. Uh, whether that ends up being for another team, like if let's say Atlanta ends up doing something and they're able to get a young big back back in that kind of sign and trade. Um, but to me, that's the biggest question mark based on the draft um, is, is who's going to be the backup big. And we know that Rashawn Holmes right now is only on, only has one more year left on his deal. So right now, Marvin Bagley is, is your big. So um, they're they're going to have to get creative and figure out uh, what what we're doing with our big men. Bill, are you are you implying that uh, Harry Giles isn't coming back next year for three point nine million dollars? I've been preparing myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, That'll teach him. That'll teach him. Oh my god! It's and then just so, seeing like his tweets today to like all the new guys is just like oh. It's like just driving the knife, you know, further in. Like, he's just such a good kid. And you finally got him healthy. Like, we finally got him healthy. And that's when you give him the boot. Like, why? It goes with everything else at that place. Like, why? Why? So, it's, yeah. If the Kings weren't under investigation, I'd tell Monty McNair, hey, just call the NBA. Be like, look, this shouldn't count. The dummy before me screwed this up. Like, it was just a couple of, like, let me, let me, come on, give me one. Come on, give me one. Like I, I quieted down Daryl Morey for an entire season for you. Mm-hmm. Just fix this for me. Mm-hmm. But of course they're under investigation. So they're not going to get out of NBA jail. Uh, we'll, we'll see. How, it, it wouldn't be the Kings if there wasn't a little bit of drama. Um, fellas, congratulations again on the podcast, the Kings Herald podcast with Jerry Reynolds. Does that drop every week? No, we're we're bi-weekly with Jerry. We're also doing uh, once a month, we'll have a Patreon-exclusive Q&A with Jerry. So any nice. uh, King Serald patrons out there, if anybody wants to become one, uh, send us your questions for Jerry, and we'll upload one of those a month. And uh, pretty much, I mean, I'm sure you guys know from Jerry, he's an open book, so you ask him anything, he'll give you a solid 10 minutes on it. So we're excited to see what the community comes up with for questions for Jerry. That's awesome. Will, anything before we go? No, um, just we're we're recording this weekend with Jerry, and the next episode should drop uh, here somewhere between Monday and Wednesday. And it's a uh, it's the King's Herald show, and we appreciate you having us on. 
Oh, always, man. You guys are welcome here all the time. Jill, any uh, heat love for the Miami Heat you want to throw our way before we before we get out of here? No, I am interested to see, obviously, again, what they're what they're going to do. But they they were able to keep all their young players for cheap. So, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is figuring out their their point guard situation. So with the dragon. But I mean, yeah. They'll, Miami they'll Heat podcast here things. with Jill Adge oh, on the hoop ball. Smart things that they always do. <laughs> we appreciate everybody for being with us. Thank you so much for downloading, subscribe, rate, and review. Make sure you check out the King's Herald podcast with Jerry Reynolds and, of course, our guest, Tony Zipteris and Will Griffith. Uh, last question, Tony, you want to give us your full name before we go? I don't know. Should I reveal it? I, I, was, I, ever, I was told I you've ever, never done it. This, this would be a historic moment. You know, I think you could dig I think I think I may have at some point. I don't – I can't – I. I don't I'll, think you I'll did give you this. I don't. I don't think I give it up yet because I gotta save. I don't know what I'm saving that for, but I got. That's fine. It's the, it's the last card I have. I don't. I'm gonna use it for something. I will give you this though. Okay. It's an extremely Greek first name. I got an extremely Greek last name. Obviously, I'll give you my middle name, which is just William. A great so name. Yeah, my middle name is William. I don't know. Figure that one out. The <laughs> most American name sandwiched between two, and I mean the most Greek name ever. I, <laughs> I'll even give you this too. I'm I'm doing some quick math in my head. I want to say just my first name and my last name together is probably like 22 letters. Fantastic. Very long. Mostly vowels. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the opposite of, of our new guy, Ramsey, where he will not reveal his middle name besides that it starts with a Z because no one can pronounce it. And he only tells family and close people like, Oh, he'll Apparently tell us one day. We're going to get just that like you. Yeah, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. So, if you have any yeah. ideas of how I should or can finally reveal my insane name, <laughs> I'm open to them. I'm saving it for something. I just have we're, no idea what that is. We're hyping it now so that somebody will pay for it later. That's true. It's Keep building on it. Patreon. It, 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 that could be a Patreon <laughs> like uh, gimmick for King's yeah. Herald. Uh, or you could save it for your next appearance on D'Lo and Casey. I'm good with either one. I think you could make some money off of the the Patreon. We're going to keep teasing teasing it out. I like have this. Jerry guess every you know that's every episode. That's a good I idea. Hear Jerry read it off. <laughs> that, oh, that's an even better. See, you just start riffing and you start throwing out uh, you start throwing out ideas. Again, we appreciate you guys so much for being with us. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Check out the Kings Herald podcast, uh, and we'll be back here next week on the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball and the Hoopball Podcast Network.